0: I'm E.G. Marshall. Welcome to the sound of suspense. The voices of victims. The fear you can hear. For the next 52 minutes, we're going to take you into the world of mystery and murder. But mostly, into the world of terrifying imagination. The story you're about to hear might be called a morality play. It's a story which has a question you can ask yourself. What is your price tag for killing a man? If you think you don't have one, listen to the story of Walter Van Haas
2: and the Chinaman Button. Mr. Van Haas, I'm making this as easy for you as... as pushing a button. Now, if you give your approval, my agents in Johannesburg will be contacted within hours. The rest will be handled simply and with dispatch. My God, I really think you mean it. I really think you'd commit murder.
0: Our mystery drama, The Chinaman Button, was written especially for the Radio Mystery Theater by Henry Slessor and stars Paul Hecht. It is sponsored in part by the Kellogg Company, makers of Kellogg's Special K cereal. I'll be back shortly with Act One. And now, Act One of The Chinaman Button. But it does not begin in China, it begins in New York City on the executive floor of a bustling
2: advertising agency. Says he Good morning, is. Susan. How have you been?
1: How is Hawaii? Oh, just great. Oh, you look
2: perfect. <laughs> My partner getting in yet, or is he goofing off? Oh, no. Mr.
1: Michaels is in his office. He's been there since
2: 8 o'clock. Oh, don't give me that. I'll bet Lou hasn't been in the office before 10 since I went on vacation. Well, what do you know? There you are, just like Susan said. Hello, Phil. Welcome back. How do I look? Fat and sassy. Three weeks in Hawaii. Luau every night. Plenty of rum and pineapple. I figured I gained ten pounds. Well, it looks good on you, Phil. No kidding. What is this? What's the matter with you? (laughs) I'm nice and brown. You're white as a sheet. You look terrible. Lou, are you sick or something? No, I'm okay. I'm fine. You look like you've been sleeping in the office or something. Well, let's hear it. There's some bad news, right? Something happened while I was away? Yeah, that's right. Something's happened, Phil, but... It wasn't my fault, so help me. Okay, come on, let's have it. We lost an account, Phil. Okay, so we lost an account. We lost the Brewster account. You want to tell me that again? I know it's real bad news, but I don't know how else to tell you. Brewster's definitely out. You want to tell me what you did wrong, Lou? Well, nothing, Phil. I swear it'll come out sooner or later. Phil, I had nothing to do with it. It started with a call from Charlie Edwards a week after you left. He wanted to talk to you. He said it was urgent. I told him you he weren't here, he hung up. Next thing I know, there's a letter from old man Bruce of the official 90-day notice of termination. But well, did you call Charlie? Oh, sure, I called him. Only Charlie isn't the ad manager anymore. Charlie's got a new job. He was kicked upstairs. He's in customer relations, out of advertising completely. There's a new guy in charge. Lou, well, you know what you're telling me. You are telling me that our gross profit has been cut in half. You
0: think I don't know that?
2: I think I'd better sit down. The new ad manager's name is Walter Van Haas. Six million dollars in billing, just just like that? Charlie said the whole thing was his fault. Whose? Walter Van Haas, the new ad manager. Charlie says he started the whole thing, but I never got the full story. Charlie's been too busy in his new job to talk to me. Give me that phone. Yeah. Sure so. Charlie is not going to be too busy to talk to me. I haven't been kicking back ten grand a year to Charlie for him not to talk to me. You want to know who Walter Van Haas is? I'll tell you, Phil. He's a Boy Scout, and he won his merit badge for backstabbing. So Walter Van Haas is a backstabber. How did he get close enough to do the job? He's my assistant. He's been my assistant for like eight months. How come I never knew him? Because that's the kind of guy Walter is. He keeps in the background. He's a mouse, Bill. A 200-buck-a-week mouse. Only this mouse roared like a lion. Right? <laughs> Two weeks ago, he came running into my office with a box full of invoices. It seems he was conducting a private investigation, Phil. Can you believe that guy? He was checking into all the supplier bills you guys sent over. He was actually checking out every engraver, every stat house, every printer, every artist bill. Phil, he found overcharges like 50, 60, even 100%. You were his boss, Charlie. Why did not you tell him what to do with his invoices? He thought I'd be shocked. He wanted us both to go to Old Man Brewster and expose your agency. That's when I did the only sensible thing. What was that? I offered him part of my take. A third of it. Phil, he practically turned blue when I offered him that money. Him take a bribe, the Honorable Walter Van Haas? Are you kidding me? It could have been the whole 10,000, and it wouldn't have been enough. It was a matter of principle, you dig? No, I don't. He didn't tell Brewster about my offer. He wouldn't rat on me. That was part of his code, too. But he did tell the old man about the phony charges. I couldn't stop him. That's when I got booted upstairs, and you got booted out. And Mr. Walter Van Haas gets your job. He didn't even want to accept that. Can you believe it? Old man had to twist his arm to get him to accept it. And a 50-buck-a-week raise. What is this guy? Some, some kind of a fanatic? I don't know how to describe Walter. He's so square. He's so honest. I swear it's true. You couldn't budge this guy for a million bucks. A million bucks, a million bucks. The great American words. The incantation of the American dream. Charlie, Hmm? did you ever hear of the Chinaman button? The which? When you were a kid. Didn't anybody ever ask you about it? It's kind of a puzzle. I, I guess you could call it a moral dilemma. No, I never heard of it. What's a Chinaman button? Uh, It goes like this. Now, suppose you were told that by simply pressing a button, you could kill the Chinaman. Thousands of miles away. A Chinaman whose fate meant nothing to you, no more than the fate of a fly on a table. And yet, by pushing this button, by sending just one anonymous Oriental to his death, you would receive one million dollars. Tax-free. What would you do, Charlie? Uh, I don't know. Press the button, I guess. Sure, that's right. You'd press the button. I'd press the button. Even Walter Van Watts' face would press the button. No, not him. Not that guy. Oh, yeah, sure, he would, Charlie. No, I, I really don't think so, Phil. Walter would think about it and begin wondering if that Chinaman might not have a wife and kids. Walter does. He's got five kids, as a matter of fact. You're wrong, Charlie. Everybody's the same when it comes to money. It's the great leveler.
0: No, no, I really mean it. Walter wouldn't push that button for $10 million. That's the kind of guy he is.
2: And that's why you don't have the booster account anymore. He He'd that button just like anybody else. Okay, okay. What's the difference? There isn't any Chinaman button. So what's the difference? That's right. There isn't any Chinaman button, or is there? I don't get you, Phil. What's all this talk about uh, a button? I didn't say there had to be a button, Lou, not literally, or a Chinaman for that matter. Van Ha sounds sounds Dutch. How about a Dutchman? What are you talking about? I think he drank a little too much at lunch. He wouldn't be so high and mighty once he pressed that button, would he? That would knock his halo off. What? Which is worse, Lou? Taking a kickback or killing a man? Oh, come on, Phil. Will you talk, Sense? <laughs> uh, we'd have him right where we want him. We could call the shots then, Lou. We can get Charlie his job back. We might even get our account back. Oh, for Pete's sake, Phil. Will you tell me what you're talking about? Better. I'll show you what I mean. Only first, I got to compose a letter. A letter to who? Don't rush me. This has got to be done Right. We're going to have to print up a special letterhead, something that really looks authentic. Somebody in the art department can do that. Well, what for? Here, let me use that portable of yours. Uh, we'll have to find one of those services that post letters from overseas. Dear Mr. Van Haas, you're writing this guy? Yep. Well, what are you going to say to him? I am going to offer him the American dream, Lou. <laughs> Uh, Melly.
1: Oh, Walter, I I didn't know you were home.
2: Uh, I got here about ten minutes ago. I was looking through the mail. How are you? Oh, all right. Tired as usual. Isn't it it kind of chilly to be out
1: here? Oh, I just had to get out of the house. Kids have been impossible all day. You know how hard it rained this morning.
2: Yes, yes, I know. Honey, did you see the letter? Hmm? The one from South Africa?
1: Oh, yeah, sure, I noticed it. Uh, say the stance, will you, Peter? wants
2: yeah, Milly. Millie, Millie uh, d- do you know what the letter's about?
1: No, uh-huh. can't imagine. Oh, you you don't know anyone in South Africa, do you? Of course
2: not. But somebody there knows me. It's it's from some law firm. Look look at the letterhead.
1: Uh huh. Dries Hartog and Berenbroek. Beer and
2: <laughs> what a name! It, it's, it's Dutch, I guess. Dries mm-hmm. Hartog and Berenbroek. Mm-hmm. Two hundred Commissioner Street, Johannesburg, South Africa. Read it, huh? Well, it says... Dear Mr. Van Haas, our firm is collecting data for record-keeping purposes concerning the surviving family of one of our clients. Would you be so good as to confirm the following facts? Your name, Walter Van Haas. I can confirm that, all right.
1: Well, go on. Read the rest.
2: Your father's name, Benjamin Van Haas. Right again. Your mother's name, Sylvia Reach. I
1: didn't know your mother's name was Sylvia.
2: Uh, She always hated the name. That's why she called herself Sally. Anyway, now let's see. Paternal grandparents Jan van Haas Voort. If the foregoing facts are not correct, would you kindly advise us by return mail? Well, oh. I just saved some postage anyway.
1: Is that all it says?
2: Now, just one more sentence. If these facts are correct, there is no need for further communication. Thank you for your attention to this matter. Yours faithfully, L. Oh, something or other. I can't make out the signature.
1: For heaven's sake, Walter, what do you suppose it means? Not
2: <laughs> the faintest idea. Maybe I've got a rich uncle in South Africa Maybe he owns one of those diamond or gold mines Oh, if only Tell him to
1: send us a couple of diamonds fast (sighs) Maybe we could start looking for a new house If I don't get out of this cheese box soon I'll I'll, I'll just go out of my mind
2: I'll settle for a couple of gold nuggets We can melt them down and use them to fill Elsa's teeth That ought to cut down that dental bill
1: Look, why don't you write to those people in South Africa And ask them what it's all about
2: well, you heard what the man wrote. If these facts are correct, there is no need for further communication. Thank you for your attention to this matter. Faithfully yours. Scrabble, scrabble, How does that sound, Lou? Sounds like the real thing, Phil. <laughs> Look at that letterhead. Is that perfect or is that perfect? Harry Twinner in the art department did it. Use the transfer type you just rub on the paper. You can't tell it from the real thing. Well, where'd you get the names from? Van Haas' family? I got them from Charlie Edwards. Right out of the files at the Brewster Company. You really got it mail from South Africa? Yeah, straight from Johannesburg. Air mail special delivery. Should have arrived by now. Phil, it's crazy. You going to all that trouble just for a joke on the guy? It's not a joke. It's serious business. Hand me that phone. Yeah.
0: What are you doing now?
2: Hello, Brewster Company? Mr. Van Haas, please. My name is... Thompson. Just tell Mr. Van Haas that I wish to speak to him in connection with South Africa. I'm sure he'll understand. Yeah. Yeah, I'll wait. Will you please tell me what you're doing? I'm going to make an appointment with this man, Lou. I'm going to make a deal with him. For the Chinaman button.
0: Phil Thurston seems to have invented his own Chinaman button. But will his improved model work? It all depends on Mr. Walter Van Haas. We'll return shortly with Act Two. Now, let's go back to Phil Thurston. Or rather, let's go back to Mr. Thompson, since that's the name Mr. Thurston used to make his reservation at the Ebb Tide restaurant in downtown Manhattan.
2: Nice of you to come all the way downtown to meet me for lunch, Mr. Van Haas. That's okay. I'm sorry I don't have a permanent office, so a place like this is convenient for me. You still haven't told me what business you're in, Mr. Thompson. I would have come to your home for this meeting, but I didn't want to disturb your wife and children. Uh, you do have children, don't you? I sure do. Five of them. <laughs> How old are they? Step ladder. Two, four, six, eight. Ten. That's a lot of mouths to feed. Yep, and teeth to fill. <laughs> I don't doubt it. Did you say that you were with that law firm in Johannesburg, Dries Hartog, and... Sorry, I can't remember the last name. I'm not sure I could pronounce it if I did. Your family is Dutch, isn't it? Yeah, my grandparents were Hollanders, but the rest of us are strictly Yanks. Well, the answer is no. I don't come from the attorneys in Johannesburg, but I wanted to talk to you about their letter. Frankly, we couldn't figure it out, Millie and I. That's my wife. I I don't remember having any relatives in South Africa, and neither does my father. Oh, your dad's alive, then? Yes, he lives in Allentown. I called him, but he didn't have any answers. Uh, Well, maybe I can help. You see, there is a relative, but a very distant one. One of those cousins four and five times removed. What's his name? Oh, I wouldn't mean anything to you if I told you. Yeah, but you do know his name. It is my business to know such things. Well, that, uh, that brings us back to the original question, doesn't it? About what business you're in. The person who told me the name of your relative was a clerk in the offices of Dries, Hartog, and Bierenbock. He works for them, but you might say that he's on my payroll, too. I don't think I understand. He's the one who informed me about the letter that was being sent to you and uh, why it was being sent. Is there any reason why you can't tell me my cousin's name? I'd rather not. I think you'll understand why. Uh, Later... But I will tell you something about him. Fine. He left the Netherlands with his family when he, was, when he was very young. He's lived in South Africa since. He's in the diamond business. Well, well. He's a widower, he has no children, and he's rich. He is very, very rich. And at the moment, he has only one traceable heir. Wait a minute. You mean that I actually do have a rich uncle in South Africa? Uh, no, I said cousin. But that's Incredible! I mean, Millie and I were kidding about it. We even said that he he might be in the diamond business. Oh, he is very much so. And are you saying that I'm his only heir? That's correct. Well, if there was the possibility of some kind of inheritance, why didn't the lawyer say so? Simple enough. There was nothing to say. What? The attorneys were only performing a routine function, putting the gentleman's will in good order. Well, undoubtedly, they'll have to redraw the will sooner or later in favor of a closer relation, such as a new wife. A, a wife? You see, this rich cousin of yours is only 41 and in excellent health. How old are you, Mr. Van Hust? 43. <laughs> so that's all there was to it, just a routine inquiry. At the moment, that's all there is to it. Well, I'm not surprised. I... I never did believe you get something for nothing in this world. I said, at the moment. What do you mean? Mr. Van Haas, you don't know this man in South Africa. You don't know the first thing about him. In fact, he means nothing at all to you. I guess so. The only way he could mean something to you is is by dying, isn't it right? Well, that's a rough way of putting it, but uh, if you mean that he won't benefit me until his death, I guess that's obvious. Now, what if I told you that this man will be dead in two or three days, and that his entire estate will be yours? I thought you said he was healthy. Well, I'm just asking how you would feel. Sorry for the guy, I suppose. Sorry about a man you don't know. Well, he's a human being. I see. Mr. Van Huss, did you read the newspaper this morning? Yes, I did. And you looked at the obituary page? Ah, briefly. Did you feel sorry for all the people whose death was reported? Did you feel any real sorrow for them? No, I, I can't say I felt sorrow. Because they were all strangers, weren't they? All right, Mr. Thompson, I'm a human being, too, and I guess if I got a letter from Dries, Hartog, and whatever telling me that I was rich, I wouldn't go into mourning. I'd probably go out and celebrate. If you saw my kid's dental bills, you'd understand. (laughs) (laughs) But I do understand. Believe me, I understand very well. That's why I wanted to see you, to suggest arranging that happy event without the slightest trouble on your part, without any obligation until you're completely satisfied. What the devil does that mean? All you have to do is say yes. Just that one word and your dream will come true. Yes, to what? In a short time, you'll receive another letter from Johannesburg informing you of the sad news that your cousin, Mr... Well, I still won't reveal his name. Let him remain anonymous. That'll make your decision a great deal easier, I'm sure. What decision? The decision to inherit his estate. Now, hold it just a minute. Are you talking about... Please, keep your voice down. Mr. Van Haas, I'm making this as easy for you as pushing a button. If you give your approval, my agents in Johannesburg will be contacted within hours. The rest will be handled simply and with dispatch. All you'll have to do is wait for official notification of your inheritance. When the money arrives, of course, I'll expect payment in the amount of 50% of the total. By our calculations, I'd say that total should be just about... uh, One million U.S. dollars. Good Lord. I I really think that... I think you mean it. I think you really do. I know you have scruples, Mr. Van Haas, but I also think you have common sense. Listen, Mr. Thompson, if that's your name. And, of course, you're quite right. It isn't. But it's the name you'll use to get in touch with me. I'm not getting in touch with you because I can give you your answer right now. It is no. Don't be so hasty. i never heard such a filthy proposition in my entire life. Look, if the percentage is the problem, we can discuss it. Our organization has been known to be flexible about such... Money things. has nothing to do with it. We could base our agreement on a sliding scale. That is, we would take 50% of any inherited amount up to and including $1 million. Anything after that our percentage would be 40%. Does that sound more attractive? But you talk about it like it was some kind of a simple business deal. But it is. Especially simple for you. A very clean, very uncomplicated deal. You do nothing at all, Mr. Van Haas. can I make you understand that? You won't be connected to your cousin's death in any way. In fact, our agents are so expert at what they do, it's almost certainly going to be called an accident. Believe me, we've never had the slightest bit of trouble in the past. You heard my answer, Mr. Thompson. Now, if you'll excuse me. (sighs) You haven't had your lunch yet. My appetite is gone. Van Haas. What? (laughs) I'm sorry. Perhaps I put the whole thing to you too bluntly. I shouldn't have expected a man like yourself to agree immediately. Or ever. All right, all right. Maybe you'll never agree. But at least give yourself some time to think it over. I don't need any time. Just 12 hours. Twelve hours, that's all I'm talking about. Now, if you change your mind any time during the next twelve hours, you can reach me at the Florentine Hotel on 51st Street. Hey, did you get that name? I don't need to remember it, Mr. Thompson. I'd like to forget your name, too, in this whole conversation. I'll be at the Florentine Hotel between 8 o'clock and midnight tonight. Uh, don't call me after twelve, my sleeping habits, you understand? I don't see how you can sleep at all, Mr. Thompson You'd be amazed at how well rich men sleep Well, you can go to bed early tonight Don't wait up for my car because there won't be one Goodbye So long, Walter I'll be hearing from you Honey, cut it out.
1: Stop it. No, no,
2: no, no, no. Tell me, tell me what the okay. matter is.
1: Nothing. It, 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 it's nothing. It's nothing. It's
2: got to be something, Millie. Are the kids okay?
1: Yes, they're all right. It's
2: pretty quiet in the playroom.
1: Oh, well, that's because I bagged the twins off to Mother. They were getting out of hand, Walter. I just couldn't stand it anymore.
2: Okay, fine. And I'm sure your mother is delighted. No,
1: she isn't. Maybe she used to be when she was younger, but she's getting too old for that sort of thing now. Maybe I'm getting too old too. Come on, what are you talking about i'm forty one years old water sometimes I feel like a hundred and forty one
2: You know what's wrong with you you're not eating right. you're eating like a bird these days.
1: Well that's practically all I can afford to buy these days. bird food.
2: I didn't mean that, Walter. Honest, I didn't. I know you didn't. I know it. Look, honey, I wish you'd see Dr. Julian and have him check you over.
1: Walter, well, that... I did see Dr. Julian.
2: You did? When? Mm-hmm. This morning. I didn't know you were going.
1: Well, I I didn't want you to know. Not until I was sure, anyway. Sure about what? Hey, you're, you're not sick, are you? I mean, did he find anything serious? No, I'm not sick. I'm I'm pregnant, Walter. What? You see, I'm not over the hill after all. I can still make babies. It should be some sort of comfort, shouldn't it?
2: A baby?
1: Dr. Julian shook his finger at me and said he was going to call you sometime and give you a lecture on the population explosion.
2: Well, that's just great, honey.
1: No, Walter, it's not just great. Oh, honey, don't pretend to be happy about it. I just can't
2: Well, it's not the end of the world.
1: Oh, that's right. It's a beginning, isn't it? That's what Mother said when I told her. She's always said that, even with the first one, with Peter. Ten years ago, almost eleven. Walter, do you realize we've been married almost 13 years?
2: I know, Millie, and I know they haven't always been easy years.
1: Why is everything always beginning? When does the middle of everything start for us? Is our life just going to go from beginning to end without anything worthwhile in the middle? Oh, no! What was that? I asked Elsa to wash the dishes and put them away. I'd better get in there before they're all broken.
2: Millie, we have to talk.
1: After dinner, all right? I haven't even started it yet. I'm sorry.
2: It's all right. I... I've got some work to do anyway. Or... some thinking. Anyway. That's right, Charlie. I'm staying downtown tonight. Ah, you got something going for you, Phil? You might say that. Oh, you bachelors really have a good life. Where does she live? Pat around here? Actually, I took a hotel room for a couple of days. At the Florentine. She wouldn't have a friend, would she? Or I could call Louise and tell her I have to work tonight. (laughs) Now, forget it. She'll never buy that. My wife's got a built-in lie detector. Don't eat your heart out, Charlie. This is strictly a business proposition. Yeah, I know your business propositions, Phil. Monkey business. You're trying to get a new client for the agency, right? Something like that. How do you think it looks? Will you get the deal? Charlie, I'm almost dead sure of it.
0: Will Walter Van Haas press the Chinaman button? Would you press it? To make a million dollars? Before you answer, wait until we return with Act Three. let's pay a visit to the Florentine Hotel. It's a posh little hotel with all the conveniences. And in room 610, there's a gentleman registered under the name of Thompson.
2: That was a request for the gang at the Williamsburg Warehouse. And so now here's time to let check. It's exactly 40 minutes past the hour... Also. Hi, Lou. Come on in. So, this is the Florentine Hotel, huh? That's well, not a bad looking room. Why the they call a suite? That's right. The Bedroom is in there. Look at this bar set up glasses, refrigerator, everything. It's nice, very nice. You want a drink? <laughs> All I got is vodka. Oh, no, thanks. I'm strictly a scotch man. You know that. <laughs> Sorry about that. That's okay. I'm not staying, long. I'll just uh, leave the layouts and the reports for you to look over. We can talk about them in the morning at the shop. Relax, Lou. Your wife knows you're working late tonight, doesn't she? Yeah, she knows. Sit down. Take it easy. Look, I got some orange juice. I can make you a screwdriver. No, thanks, Lou. Guess I have to drink alone, then. Well, aren't you going to ask me about your friend, Van Haas? What about him? I told you I was going to see him today, or rather that Mr. Thompson was going to see him. Did you? That's right. I saw him for lunch and told him the whole story about how easy it was for him to become a millionaire just by pushing the Chinaman button. (laughs) maybe I should have called it the Dutchman button. Did he believe it, Phil? All the way. But did he go for it? I mean, about having a guy in South Africa killed. Uh, No. No, he wouldn't go along. Ah, so Charlie was right. He said no because he was scared. He was afraid that he was getting into something too deep for him. Well, maybe that wasn't it, Joe. Maybe he is the kind of guy Charlie says he is. Maybe he was that kind of guy, Lou. That was before he ever got really tempted. A lot of people are honest because they never had anything worth being dishonest about. Am I right? You don't think much of people, do you? I think people are people, that's all. Open your eyes, Lou. Look at what's happening all around you. Everybody's on the grab. You don't know that by now. You've been living in a cave all your life. All right, all right. I don't want to argue with you. Everybody's corruptible, Lou. Everybody. High and low. Yeah, it sure looks like it these days. These days, old days, any days. We're just hearing more about it. Now, that's the only difference. But there are limits, Phil. I mean, like what you offered Van Haas. Well, let's face it. You were talking about murder. Maybe that's the word that came to his mind, too. But when he thinks it over, he'll give it a different name. He'll come to the conclusion that all I was talking about was pushing a button. You mean you still think he'll say yes? I told him to call me here. That's why I took this suite at the hotel under the name of Thompson. So that's what it was. And I figured, I don't know, that you had some chick you didn't want to know your right name. I told Van Haas to call me here any time before midnight, in case he changed his mind. Before midnight? It's almost 11 o'clock now. That's right. Why did you give him a deadline? Because he needs one. We all need one, or we postpone things forever. Phil, I don't think he'll call. Why not? I think the guy's already made up his mind. Oh, no, he hasn't. He's watching the clock right now, just as we are. He's watching those hands move towards 12, thinking about how simple it would be to pick up the phone and call. (laughs) You see, that's the beauty part of the whole thing the simplicity. You remember that old camera slogan? You press the button, we do the rest. No, I don't think you're right. I don't think he'll do it. I can see him right this minute, Lou. Maybe he's in bed, looking up at the ceiling. Maybe he's locked himself up in the study, and he's telling himself all the reasons why he shouldn't say yes. Then he wonders if he's really fair to make the decision all by himself. I mean, mean, there's his wife, too. He remembers all the little deprivations, all the promises he made to her when they were younger, those trips to Europe, the mink coat. Then there are the kids, of course. Five kids, Lou. Think what that money would mean to them. (laughs) He's really moved by the thought of the kids. You know, uh, maybe I'll have a drink after all. He's not thinking of himself, of course. No, he doesn't count the things he would like to do, the places he wants to see, or, or that car he wants to own. You ever know a man who didn't want some car he couldn't afford? Yeah, and then there's that nice, smug feeling of security he could have with that pile of money swelling with interest in some bank that never thought he was worth more than a calendar at Christmas. Well, maybe he is thinking all that, Phil, but... Just the same. I don't think he'll
0: call. (laughs) Yep.
1: Yeah. Do you feel all right?
2: Yeah, I'm okay.
1: You're not still thinking about it, are you?
2: About what? About you know, the baby. Oh, no, no, Millie. I I wasn't thinking about the baby. Go back to sleep, honey.
1: But you know, I'm less than two months gone, honey. I, if if you're really upset
2: oh, about, stop that kind of talk.
1: Well, I just thought.
2: Our alternative I'm sick of hearing about that alternative I heard about it the last time you were pregnant, remember? i sorry I...
1: I knew worried about money I knew all the debts we had We'll and... get along Honey, you're not angry
2: with me No, I'm not angry I'm just restless I've got business worries Can't turn my mind off oh. Why don't you read a while? The light will keep you awake I'll go to the living room Walter? Yep I love you I love you too, Millie Listen to that clock Why do cheap clocks have to tick so loud? Yeah, We've got to get ourselves an electrical or maybe one of those digital clocks
1: Darling, they really cost money
2: Yes What doesn't? Yeah, yeah, I ordered the scotch. Oh, you can, huh? All right, thanks. Sorry, hey, Lou. Room service can't deliver from the bar after eleven thirty. That's okay, Phil. I don't really want to drink anyway. <laughs> I'm almost out of liquor myself. You're almost out of time too. Quarter to twelve. See, I just can't believe it. I can't believe that guy could be that that stupid. Is that what you call it? Of course. I mean, who wouldn't jump at a chance like this? Oh, I'm making it so, so easy for him, so painless. Easier than scratching along on a paycheck shot through with deductions. Easier than, than bowing and scraping every day of your life to people whose guts he hates. You know, old man Brewster, can you imagine having to be nice to that guy every day? We did it. Yes, that's why I know. Ah, oh, Phil... I think you're taking this joke much too much to heart. You're letting it mean too much to you. There's still time left for him to call. But he won't. And he's probably getting panicky right now. What about you, Phil? He sees the whole thing slipping away from him. He's telling himself how dumb he is. He's telling himself that the Chinaman doesn't mean a thing to Dutchman. him. Dutchman. He's telling himself that he's got a bigger duty, a, a greater responsibility to his wife, to his kids, even to himself. And well, if he get it, it's, it's over. no concern of his what happened 7,000 miles away. He doesn't have to dirty his hands. All he has to do is, is call. You're lost, Phil. Why don't you admit it? Aren't you going to answer it? Sure, sure. I'll answer Maybe room service again. Maybe. Hello? Mr. Thompson, this is Walter Von Haas. Okay, okay, I'm coming, I'm coming. Who is it? Room service. Ah, breakfast. (laughs) Come on in, I'm starving. Yes, sir. Are you sure those scrambled eggs are hot? They tasted like rubber yesterday morning. They should be all right, sir. Yeah, well, you tell the chef he'll hear from me if they aren't. Yes, sir. Will you sign right here, sir? Okay. There you are. Thank you. I'll be back later for the table. Uh, half an hour, that's all I need. Yes, sir. Uh, I guess my shower's going to have to wait. Oh, now what? Hello. Hell, it's Lou. Oh, hi, what's up? You're still at the hotel. I thought you were just going to stay there one or two days. It's the third day now. I like it here. They stay until the end of the week. Besides, I saw some great looking chicks at the bar downstairs. Well, what's happening? I Nothing. Mean, I was just wondering if you knew anything about, uh, what do you know, Van Haas? <laughs> Walter Van Haas? He's just waiting for the mailman, Lou, waiting to hear the good news from South Africa. <laughs> I spoke to Charlie Edwards. He Van called in sick yesterday. Yeah, I'll bet he was sick. I'll bet he was home planning on ways to spend all that money he thinks he's going to get. One million bucks. Uh, no, 500 grand. Are you coming into the office soon, Phil? Sure, I'll be there just as soon as I finish breakfast and grab a shower. I'll see you later, then. All right. <laughs> yeah, I'll bet those eggs are cold for sure. Oh, for Pete's sake, it's a conspiracy. Hello, Mr. Thompson. Well, <laughs> what are you doing here? May I come in? I told you not to get in touch with me, Van Haas. Yes, I know you did, but I... I had to talk to you in person. I told you that it was for your own protection. That don't worry. I found out your room number, and I came up the back stairs. Nobody knows I'm here. Well, why are you here? Please let me come in. All right. As you can see, I'm just about to take a shower, so whatever you have to say, would you make it fast? Yes, I'll make it fast. I hope you haven't come here to say that you changed your mind because it's too late for that. The thing is over and done with. It is? You're sure of that? As soon as you gave me your okay, I was in touch with our agents in Johannesburg. They didn't waste any time either. And it it, it went uh, all right? Flawlessly, just as I promised. All you have to do is wait. Yes, I see. I, uh, I just had to hear it from you, Mr. Thompson. I, I had to hear it from myself. Well, now you've heard it. Now you go home and you wait for the mailman. Yes. The mailman. What's the matter, Van Hust? He looks strange. You feel all right? Oh, yes, I feel fine. Truth is, I... I never felt better in my life. Good. Good. I'm glad to hear it. I feel a lot different than I felt two days ago. I can't tell you what a torture it was for me to make that phone call to you. Absolute torture. But after I hung up, I felt as light as a feather. You did, huh? Yeah, felt fine. It felt wonderful. Even though I got myself involved in killing a man. It's funny, isn't it? Huh. It was easy, wasn't it? Just like I said it would be. Yes, that's the word. I never knew anything could be that easy. Changed me, Mr. Thompson. I saw how stupid I'd been all my life. How stupid most of us are to waste the one life we're given. I owe you a lot. Well, if you came to say thanks, you're welcome. Now, if you'll excuse me... I felt me, uh... like a giant. I felt, I felt there was nothing I couldn't do. I, I was a coward before a weakling. But you showed me a better way. Okay, okay. Uh, Would you go home now, Mr. Van Haas? I mean, the less we see of each other, the better. Now, when the money arrives, I'll be in touch with you. About my 50%. Yes, your 50%. That's really what I wanted to discuss, Mr. Thompson. Tell me, does this fireplace work, or is it just for show? I really wouldn't know. But I see that they have all the eh? (laughs) implements. What are you doing with that poker? Van Haas... Are you crazy? Aye, Mr. Thompson, but 100% is so much better! I thought I'd have to bring a hammer or something, but a poker was so much better. Now,
1: into the bathroom, Mr. Thompson. Up, up, into
2: the shower. Yeah. What a shame that you slipped in the tub, Mr. Thompson. What a terrible shame. Now I have to go home to wait for the mailman. There's an old saying
0: if you're going to dig a grave for a man, make sure you dig two. I'll return shortly. Ready for an instructive statement? It goes like this. The wonderful thing about radio is that it can be enjoyed in complete darkness. And isn't darkness the natural medium for mystery? Our cast included Paul Hecht, Ralph Bell, Mason Adams, Evie Juster, and Will Hare. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown.
2: Now... A preview of our next tale. You know the saying, if you can't lick them, join them? Come on. I decided to join you, Jason, to do business your way. I want a certified check for $50,000. When i finished, I want another fifty. And you know me well enough to realize that I'm not going to give you $50,000 just because you asked for it. Not even to save your life? Are you trying to blackmail me, Harry? I'm trying to do you a favor. Your life should be worth at least $100,000. Before I agree, answer one question. Do you know who's going to kill me? I do. Who? Me. Radio
0: Mystery Theater was sponsored in part by Anheuser-Busch Incorporated, brewers of Budweiser. This is E.G. Marshall inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time... Pleasant dreams.
2: The WOR Mystery Theater was brought to you by ShopRite Supermarkets, where you get a lot more for a little less. And by Suburban Savings, with offices throughout North Jersey. The preceding Mystery Theater program was furnished by the CBS Radio Network. Time Magazine calls it the most outspoken and honest play about homosexuality that has ever appeared on Broadway. Clive Barnes of the New York Times agrees. Kevin Sanders of ABC TV said, As brilliant and ruthless a dissection of modern marriage as I've ever seen on stage. They're all talking about Find Your Way Home. The new Broadway hit starring Jane Alexander, Lee Richardson and the sensational news star Michael Moriarty. Hailed is the most exciting new performer to hit Broadway since Marlon Brando in Streetcar. It's at the Brooks Atkinson Theater, the play of the season. It's Find Your Way Home. The news is next with Bert Wilson on WOR New York, your station for the Mystery Theater.